0: Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This week on TWiP, Alex finally decides
1: on a camera, Flickr and Getty want your photos, and a ton of great listener questions. All that and more coming up on episode number 77 of This Week in Photography. It's March 13th, and welcome back to another This Week in Photography I'm your host Frederick Johnson, and uh, with us we've got Alex Lindsay. I'm live in the Pixel Core Studio this week. So am I, and so is Alex, sitting right across the table from me. Hey, Alex.
0: Hey, Lou. What's going on in your world? Oh, you know my, I'm, I'm, I now might have to actually get a new camera soon. <laughs> You've been saying that for a year. <laughs> I know my, 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 wife forced the issue. We were, she, I was up in Taos, and uh, she dropped it. She, wh- which one did she drop? The Twenty D.
2: What? The one that
0: I've been hanging on to. Yeah. Uh, thinking. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> so she tried, it one of those things. She looks up and she drops it, and I, all I could think of: we're on vacation. Don't ruin the vacation. Don't ruin the vacation. And then the other side of my head is going. Ah! <laughs> and uh, it didn't. It, it, it blew off the um, the um, uh, the battery flap. Yeah, you know, broke, which um, so it's not it's not a super big issue. But I, I looked at it and said, you look
1: program. at it like you just laid your old camera off and now you have to find a new job I a new cameras. So oh, no. You can move on to. So you're going to go Nikon? I can't. I still can't decide. So I brought my Nikon D700 into the studio for Alex to play with, and uh, hopefully it'll push him over the edge.
0: It doesn't matter. I'm just here. The thing is that I would buy the 5D in a second if 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 the video was better. And I'm still the the 5D. Just being able to shoot the video still has me kind of leaning towards the 5D. Uh, But um, yeah, that's 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 what's holding it. But I, I like. I like the, the I like the Nikon action better, to be honest with you. When I pull the trigger, when I use the like the whole operation of the Nikon. I used to have a Nikon. Mm-hmm. And I kinda miss it. It's, you know, it's a, it a little the, the 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 cannon feels heavier when you're firing stuff, and mm-hmm. it's louder, and it's you know a lot of other things, and and so it's little things like that, and you know the low light's nice, but I think the low light is not actually not that different between the two of them when you consider that the, the cannon's kind of oversampling when you when you scale their images down, mm-hmm. and it's one thing. I still have to get your camera and Leo's camera all in one place, which I wasn't able to do this week. Yeah, yeah. I, it sounds like you're still firmly planted in the middle in the middle of the fence. <laughs> And then the GH1 came out, and I, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just get that, you know, a call today. Just but I need, buy I need to a
1: camera it. and start shooting.
0: Just I've been shooting. I just <laughs> haven't bought a new camera yet.
1: All right. Also, we've got uh, from the from the north, probably foggy today, is Mr. Ron Brinkman. Hey, Ron.
2: Hey, how you doing? Actually, it's it, as is usually the case when I'm getting ready to fly down to Los Angeles, it's one of the most beautiful days I've seen in Seattle, so... Naturally I'm gonna be leaving it behind and, and probably I'll get off the plane in LA and it'll be foggy of there. Of course. So but right forth. now it's nice. Nice. And uh, coming from even further north
1: is Lisa Bettney. Hey Lisa.
3: Hi, my name's Lisa and I need a new camera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alex has one you could possibly repair with some super glue robot. Yeah, <laughs> what me. what are you shooting right now?
3: A Canon XTi. I'm not even full frame, but I make it work.
1: Wow, you know it's not it's not the size of the camera. It's the magic in
0: it.
3: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not even
1: going there. You don't even want to go there. You don't. You know. We talk about we've talked about this on previous shows. It's not. Yeah, everybody wants the bigger, the best, more megapixels, yada yada yada, camera. But in the end, it's you can do a lot with with the XTi. I mean, it's leaps and bounds better than anything I was shooting with when I was in the military. I mean, it's... And, a, and you were in the military. Yeah. I mean, and they paid $12,500 for just the bodies of the camera that we were shooting with for sub one megapixel uh, camera. Ah, you know, the
0: wonders of GSA.
1: Yeah, yeah. Didn't you throw it out of a helicopter? Uh, no, not that particular one. I dropped a Nikon F4 out of a helicopter <laughs> and it survived. The lens really? the lens didn't, but the body survived. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't very high. We were maybe at treetop height and it, the aircraft jerked and it. You know, don't take me back there. It was a sad day. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Anymore. And, so, uh,
3: Alex, Alex, between yes. um, dropping things and leaving things on planes, I mean, how much? I just want to point much- out that
0: <laughs> I did not drop the camera.
3: Mm. My wife dropped the camera.
1: She's the other half of you, so technically you oh, did drop well, the there's camera. That. There's that. Uh-huh. So, but, uh, yeah, no, it's another camera down the drain. Mm-hmm. Just buy the Nikon and be done with it. <laughs> Jeez. And uh, also coming from the Far East, Mr. Aaron Mailer. Hey, Aaron.
4: Hey, guys. How are you?
1: We're doing good. Uh, for some reason, I didn't expect you on the show today. You made time to... Uh, to to come on Twip,
4: yeah. Hey, I only missed last week. I had I had crazy meetings last week, yeah. all Friday afternoon. So
1: yeah, yeah. You yeah. and you and Ron Brinkman letting real life get in the way of the the importance of like podcasting. It's
2: a terrible yeah, thing it's to do, I know. is kind of isn't it? Hey, uh, real
4: life. Hey, Alex, are you, are you hold, are you holding out for firmware updates on the Mark 2 that'll cover
0: some of your video? Issues. If 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 there were firmware, I, I will say that if there were firmware updates to the Mark II that um, handle some of my video issues, I would. It, it, it would that's the only thing that's kind of yeah, keeping right. me on the edge. Yeah, right. No, if, there's if, always going to be that one thing. If, no, I, if
1: it, it could only levitate in midair, I would make the joke. No,
0: it, it literally. <laughs> it was the Mark II would be an easy choice for me
2: if the video was wasn't so half-assed. Dis- suspect that as as soon as you hear an announcement about an update to the video on the Mark II, then about at the same time you'll hear an announcement from Nikon about something new that has better video. And you'll be back on the fence. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you'll be like just ready to
0: jump off that fence. No, I think, I think that if it was even, if, if all things were even that way, I think I'd, I'd probably go with Canon because I have some Canon glass that's kind of expensive. So I'd, I, you know that would be enough to Canon not screwing up the video. And, and so I'm kind of holding out because I kept, keep on feeling like they're going to someone's going to re- you know one of them is going to release like another camera in the zone of the of the 5D or the D700 mm-hmm. that actually has video that actually really works yeah. like the gh1 even though it's a small little tiny you camera. could just do the flip-flop like scott Bourne and just just keep on you know just i don't, keep buying stuff and putting the other stuff online have, i'm afraid and, i do not have the resources yeah, that mr <laughs> Bourne has that's the problem you
3: could, you could donate your glass to me there we
0: go Alex,
4: alex's pinky <laughs> finger is the the sticking out
0: as he says
3: that yeah. i'm sticking with canon guys i'm saying it i'm sticking
4: I'm, with canon. i'm with lisa I'm sticking yeah. with Canon. I got glass I investments, got too. too. So. Oh, yep. now they come out the Did uh, You as long hear as that? Patients.
1: Everybody's ganging up on me because I'm <laughs> Nikon. Even my dad is is Canon. <laughs> it's all right. You know, they make... My my philosophy around the number of Canon users versus the number of Nikon users, there's there's also uh, a lot of McDonald's in the world. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean oh, it's a good restaurant. I'm just saying. I see. I see. Awesome. Billions and billions served. <laughs> I'd like to go to nice
0: restaurants. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if the D700 on the other side of the D700 had video, I I buy it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I'm I mean, just not. Eventually, I'm just not that excited about not having video on my still camera anymore because I feel like it's, I feel like it's about to happen for every camera out there. Yeah. and so my whole thing is, I don't. I'm not that excited about spending a lot of money on a body that doesn't have it. I think I might be in denial about that because I've seen the
1: video from Vincent LaFerré and you know uh, who is it. Uh, who is he? I see a, a bunch of videos, a bunch of eight high definition videos that come out of that 5D, mm, and gorgeous. I, I, yeah, it's gorgeous, and I, I lust after it. But then I go into denial, saying I don't really need that because my camera can't shoot it. <laughs> 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 I, I don't I don't really need be. those grapes. <laughs> exactly. <No. laughs> Crawling through the desert, the I'm not really candy? thirsty. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so who knows? You know, my my argument is um, that uh, I haven't mastered photography one frame at a time yet so I, there's still a lot for me to learn just in the regular genre of photography without adding that, that dimension of motion
0: and My sound to it. I'm just traveling a lot and I have a big backpack full of uh Stuff, yeah, and I'd prefer. We, we
4: have a listener question today that's going to bring this right back
0: around. So, yeah, excellent. So, let's move along. Uh, to the uh, you want to talk about the linking contest a little bit, Mr. Allen? There's linking contests every week. There's a linking contest at twipphoto.com. Uh, you can win a, uh, three of Scott's 88 Secrets books, uh, free, a free one year premium subscription to lynda.com. So, uh, that is the linking contest. All you got to do is link to twipphoto.com. And uh, Scott will take care of the rest. He's also got an Aperture Nature Photography Contest ongoing. You can get up to $3,500 worth of prizes for each photographer um, who wins. And you will, you could possibly get a trip uh, to be one of four to one of the U.S. national parks. So check out all that information at com. That's excellent. Hey, Lisa, you went on one of those those workshops, didn't you? How was it?
3: I sure did. It was fantastic. It actually sort of jump-started my... Like really, really, really getting into photography and focusing on it because it sort of being being inspired by by all those amazing photographers and just having a chance to work with some pros and really get um, some tips and hands on training was was amazing.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, one day I'll get to go on one of those. I I see them all the time. I, I this one, win. I and do find it odd that I never win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know. I, I'm sure you could you could arrange to go on this trip and <laughs> car- carry bitter. Scott's bags or something. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Lisa gets to go. Well, oh come now, Lisa.
1: Were you shooting your XTI out there? or Did you have a different body?
3: No, I had my XTI, and you can go see my pictures and where. They came where out-
1: can they see your pictures?
3: Um, I think I have. I have a a set on Flickr called Aperture Nature Photography Workshop um, Grand Tetons. And uh, yeah, there's some shots in my portfolio on lisabetney.com. Cool.
1: How's that the the new blog or the new uh, portfolio site doing? Is it it's
3: great. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And um, what I like most about it is that I can, I'm just updating, I just have a set in Flickr that goes straight to, to my portfolio. So as I add new shots, I just put in a shot that's going to go in in my portfolio. And it's it's really great because it's sort of easy to update.
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd like to give a shout-out at this point to uh, one of the developers that worked on Lisa's site that also helped me with the launch of one of my new sites. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Brian Revis, at Brian Revis. And this guy is... is he is to uh, code WordPress, PHP, all that magic stuff, what uh, some of the really good photographers are to photography. So he's a, he's a really good guy and was able to turn around a, an impossible mock-up that I put together in Photoshop in a matter of days and turn it into a really functional website that looked just like the mock-up. So follow him and uh, contact him if you need work. work. And, and
3: also a shout-out to... Um Pascal de Silva, who also is the designer of, of my my blog and my um, portfolio, and you can follow him at twitter dot uh, com slash darkmotion
1: I like that name dark motion
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> in the news in the news uh, this week, not a lot of news, probably because we 're at the tail end of PMA, uh, and all the announcements went out then, but uh, Getty images is licensing flicker images. But we knew that. It was that what's Aaron, what's new about that? They were they announced that about a year ago that they were gonna be doing it. Did they just start letting people or start licensing the people they allowed into that program?
4: I, you know, honestly, I'm going to refer this to Alex because I think he knows a lot more about it than I do. I just I,
0: I, don't, I just think we hadn't really talked about it that much before, and now it's you know available. You can see it up on. I hadn't seen it um, actually available before. To, you know, this week. Oh yeah, uh, it may have been available before this, but this is the first time it ran across. I think it. I was, it's new. I thought it was pretty interesting. I think it's new. A friend of mine, and we mentioned
1: mentioned him on the show before. Uh, Kelco, he's on Flickr. Uh, he's one of the photographers that they tapped to license some of his images. And uh, he seems to think it's a it's a pretty good deal <clears throat> that what they're doing there, and it's it's exposing him to people that he wouldn't have ordinarily been exposed to because he's not a prof- he's a professional photographer in that he has the chops to shoot for money, but he uh, doesn't do it full time for money. You know, he works in corporate America and shoots and puts his stuff on Flickr when he has time, and uh, it looks like they. They being Getty, approached him to license some of the images that they found of his on Flickr, and he's doing well now. He's gotten other, Is that other how gigs this- through that.
2: Is that how this typically is working though? Is that the get, Getty is actually tracking down the people that they want to license from? It's not a matter of submitting something to the Getty or anything like that.
1: I, that's I, I'm, no, I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure, but that my understanding, least Unless you have some a, a different opinion, opinion on it, my understanding is you have to be. They have people that are looking through the Flickr stream and they see an image and then they approach you. Um, yeah,
3: I, you just you just get a, a Flickr mail and it just says, um, "Yeah, we'd like to use." One of your shots, or all, uh, or this collection of your shots in in Getty, it's just as easy as that. Wow!
1: Now, did they approach
3: you, Lisa? No, not yet. Still hoping. So, so,
1: if, <laughs> so, so I was, that that was my other question. So, if they do approach you, you're going to allow them to license your images?
3: Um, um, I mean, I'm particularly partial to some of them, but um, yeah. What would be I, the I negative?
1: Would, what would be the downside to letting Getty? uh get get a hold of your image or get rights to your images to license them out
3: I suppose if I wanted to start I want to start selling prints of my photos um and you know still have the possibility to to use them in other ways yeah. but if it's um, not exclusive
1: right
3: Yeah yeah I uh, I'm not sh- really sure how it, how it works whether they have uh, I mean do they get the entire rights to the photo
0: I don't know. They have to dig in deeper. Do you know, Alex? Uh, I, I don't know. I think that the other concern people might have is, is you know, if it's of loved ones, of your kids or of your whatever, yeah, or you really yeah. want to see uh, um, that all Well, you have the place. choice. I don't think you give them ho- uh, wholesale access to your Flickr postings. They say, hey, this no, image say, right took, here. But if you, they might ask you, can I use, obviously, a lot of times no? yeah. people are, uh, it's very valuable to have uh, pictures of people mm-hmm. and then the big question is when, if they ask you is do you know all those people that you took photos of and would they all approve because once again for their from their purposes whether it's iStock Photo or Getty iStock Photo is part of Getty mm-hmm. uh, they're going to need releases for everybody that's available on that image and so then you have to go through that process of course it's easier if if you're shooting scenes of beaches or cities and I think a lot of what we see here right now is is expanses because they don't require releases unless you're in France and shooting pictures of the Louvre yeah,
1: you know it would be really scary if um, Facebook or if Facebook and <laughs> Flickr did an agreement. <laughs> oh, <laughs> considering bad. Facebook's new terms of service, so suddenly. Well, oh, but they pulled that back. They pulled it. Yeah, what, what did the what did the revision say?
0: I, I, oops. I think, I think the, the revision is uh, we went back to what we had before. Sorry. yeah
1: oops, redacted. Sorry about that.
0: So, um, <laughs> although I, I thought that, that was I thought that was really good of Facebook to do it. We talked about it, I think, on this show or another show, and. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very nice of them to do it. The reality for Facebook is that ninety-nine percent of the population in Facebook would have never noticed if they had just if they had just not done anything and not reacted within three weeks or a month. It would have all been back. To, they would have lost one percent of their of their uh, followers, and everyone else would have just been in in that new agreement. Yeah. You know, it, it it just wouldn't have done that much damage. And so I thought that it was actually pretty uh, it was pretty good of them to go ahead and react to something that only probably a small percentage of people really cared or understood. Yeah. I know this
1: isn't a, this isn't Mac break or a Mac related show, but I wanted to touch on the fact that Apple did release some new hardware. that I am again lusting after, uh, what was it this weekend, last week or over the past 30 days or so stuff has been trickling out. So the Mac pro is new, Mm. a new, (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same way. (laughs) <laughs> it's, fast. Uh, it's fast. It's fast. The, the, the a new iMac and which is faster, same size, right? Nothing, nothing but the guts have changed. The
0: guts have changed. Yeah. So the big jump has been the top of the line Mac Pro mm-hmm. um, uh, compared to the older versions is is considerably faster, up to fifty percent faster. Than, or 30 or thirty or 40% faster than the, than the last version. So it's, it's a big jump um, in that top-of-the-line one. What's happening is, is it's larger. And this affects photographers because if you're editing on Lightroom or, or Aperture or anything that's going to take advantage of that processor, especially when you're dealing with imagery. Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with – it doesn't make any difference if you're using Excel. But in our industry where we're using very large photos yeah. uh, or video – uh, you, these are there's a lot of um, they've changed the RAM architecture. So while the, the 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 chip speed hasn't increased, the amount of data that can get to that chip uh, at one time, and that's really been the bottleneck when you're dealing with video. The yeah, yeah. The, the pipe getting to the, the CPU has been greatly increased um, with the new processors, and uh, that should um, you know. And, and some of the the, the tests have shown uh, that all the computers are benefiting from that, from yeah. that speed bump. And they bumped up the uh, the Mac Mini as well yeah, which is what I was can't learning. ignore that many cause. I don't really care though I mean I, I feel like my Mac Mini that I have right now is fine my Mac Mini I have one of the original Mac Minis like yeah. l- s- literally when they announced the Mac Mini right. I was with Apple I think time. I have like the second the second generation or whatever I'm kind of like well the video plays
1: fine my Mac Mini is so old it doesn't even have a Wi-Fi card in it <laughs> That's old. It's power, power PC <laughs> generation then. It's old, and right now I put a little video on a on a video blog that I launched. It's all it's doing is sitting in my little credenza at home, connected to a Drobo, serving up iTunes. Yep.
0: That's all it does. That's all mine does.
1: Yeah, that's all. It doesn't have a monitor on. It. I just right. I, I administer it through screen sharing in OS X and it's it's happy. But sometimes it takes a while. It takes a while for okay. it takes a while for um, the library. In iTunes to load into Apple TV and all that. So I'm hoping if I replace it, if that will alleviate that.
4: I'd, I'd say the new mini is a good entry point for a lot of people in photography, though, if they're getting into it, because they've raised the upper threshold to four gigabytes of RAM now. The hardware, the graphics hardware has improved substantially. So a lot of little factors that are needed for a machine in that price point would it would be a pretty beautiful thing for a lot of people in photography right now That are, if they're needing to do an upgrade at this point from something much older.
1: And... Alex, who is our wonderful sponsor this week for This Week in Photography?
0: Audible. <laughs> Audible. So, uh, so, Audible is our sponsor for this week. Of course, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment. They have over 35,000 titles to choose from that you can download and play back anywhere. Uh, now, you can get a free book. That's free, as in doesn't cost you anything, at audiblepodcast.com slash twip. And uh, you should go there. If you're listening here, you should just go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip, download your free book. In fact, if you are just trying to figure out, I mean, you're excited, but you don't even know what to to download. Aaron, what should they download? Oh gosh! <laughs> Three five thousand oh, titles. On the spot. Watch that! Watch that! No that, no no! That backhanded no, I, that! Uh, I gave I gave him that that, that, that backhanded pass. You like, you know, stay, it stay, like, awake, stay awake, co-host. Stay awake. There's the there's in, the running back. He's just, he, just, he just bounced off his helmet. and He's like, oh. In I my don't defense, know what I, I have a choice
4: written right here in our script, so no problem. Sleeping
0: in class. Yeah. Oh,
4: I'm sorry, sir. Could See, you what the happened? What happened was
0: he got caught because I did an audible. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, call, called an audible. I, I called an it. audible. Yeah.
4: Now, actually, I'm, I'm right in the middle, like as of this morning, literally right in the middle between the two the, the two files that split into um, on a book I've been thoroughly enjoying. It's called The Agent Zigzag, and it's the true story of Nazi espionage, love, and betrayal. Of course, you guys remember when we were doing recommendations a while back, I have a real tendency toward uh, historical um, books, sometimes historical fiction, but also just histories. In this case, this is true history, it's not historical fiction. Uh, but it is about um, a a British um, double agent essentially during World War II Uh, just the story has really started coming out in the last few years as uh, MI5 finally opened up all these secret documents they had so the story can be told comprehensively but the guy is just an amazing character who was a a criminal in Britain before he ended up uh, among the Nazis was turned and then immediately came back and joined up with MI5 to be a double agent back against the Nazis and so on it's just the craziest tale and And it's beautifully told, and I have to say it's one of the best narrators I've heard um, in quite a while, too. Just superb. So if you enjoy any type of historical stuff like that, Agent Zigzag is absolutely worth listening to.
0: Sounds like it's right up there with Riley, Ace of Spies.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, I'll throw mine in there as well since we're talking about it. As my dad and I drove up here to to come Pixel Core in the car we were listening to Timothy Ferris's four-hour work week again. I, you know that, I, I've listened I, to it like, I so don't know, the five, is, I six think times. I think the, the Ottawa book.
0: I think the Ottawa book is really good for the first three quarters of it because it's like all these ideas and Until they get to the everything. URLs. And then they get to all the like <laughs> what you're supposed to do and and, and I'm just kind of like, okay, that's that. It doesn't work in Ottawa. Yeah, it, it works too. really well in that first part. And then the second part, you're just kind of like, uh, yeah, this is, I think, really I think you got to have the printed book too. Yeah. So
1: for that yeah. stuff, cause it's got a, he, there's a ton of URLs in there and the narrator of the book, which whom I thought was the, who I thought was Timothy. <laughs> it was <laughs> very good. It's very well done. He's, he, it's, it's very well done. He owned it. But he, uh, he doesn't know how to not say HTTP colon right. forward slash forward slash. could <laughs> just say the, the name no, no, dot .com no, no. slash. Yeah. yeah he yeah, exactly. says the whole thing for each URL. Like he was getting paid by the consonant or something.
0: Now, if you want to get either of these books on Audible, and once again, if you haven't done this before, you can go up to audiblepodcast.com slash twip, sign up, and you can get either one of those books for free. So check it out. Thanks. Are
3: there any photography books? You know, not
0: that many. We 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 we, we kind of burned through most of them uh, in the first couple weeks of Audible podcast uh, Audible sponsorship. Um, it's you know, Audible is not as good for photography because you can't. Yeah. So anything. Of course, we're, we're, here, we're, we're sitting there with a yeah. the we doing a podcast. podcast. Yeah, so imagine, yeah. audio. imagine
1: a desaturated image. Now imagine <laughs> now a little I, bit more saturation imagine in imagine image.
0: the image. Imagine the depth of field. If we <laughs> notice how the background becomes, oh, you can't notice. Imagine it in your head. <laughs> well, the way that I'm looking yeah. at it on this sheet, yeah. So. It, well, well,
1: maybe will it, could work, it. It, could it could work, though. It could work.
4: So what are I will mention the, the Agent uh, ZigZag book is one of the first I've downloaded that's in their new, what they call enhanced format. And the audio quality is absolutely stunning. Nice. I mean, you're, you're, you're in the room with the narrator is what it sounds like. It's, it's a beautiful mix. Okay. So, uh,
1: picks of the week. I know Alex is raring to tell us what his pick is. So, I'm going to throw, throw it to
0: you. So, this is a, there's a, this is a little iPhone app. Uh, and it's called Catchlight. It's written by uh, Ben Syverson. And as a uh, disclaimer, Ben writes also DV Matt, uh for us. And uh, Catchlight is a cool little application. Uh, it's, you know, it's not very expensive. It's uh, 2 dollars um, two ninety nine. so it's a little expensive for, a, for a, uh, uh, an iPhone app, but not very expensive in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it is, what it allows you to do is actually choose uh, a fairly accurate, color temperature for your iPhone. So, you know, there was the light, the little uh, iPhone light that was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this one is an iPhone light, except that you can choose 56K, 32K, oh. anywhere in between. Ah. So, so if you want to have like a little catch light on someone or, or a little, um, if you're doing something close and you're kind of going gorilla and you just need to use something to light it and you really want it to be a certain color temperature to match whatever else you're shooting in. You can use this. I have to admit, there's a temptation I have of getting everybody's iPhones together and then setting up like a little light array with a, with oh, a little, little mini studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so but it, to do that kind of thing, the best thing to use would be something like uh, Catchlight. So um, you can, uh, we'll have a, a link in the uh, show notes, but the uh, uh, Catchlight uh, by Ben Syverson is uh, in the iTunes music store. But it's not music. It's an application.
2: Awesome. Ron, group, and what's your pick? Well, yeah. yeah as anybody listening to this show uh, regularly knows I love me the uh, Urban DK, and I found a new RSS feed called Abandoned Places. That's got a whole lot of user submitted uh, abandoned places. Uh, it's it's almost a fire hose because usually it's uh, three or four feeds every time, or three or four new posts every time I check it. But all kinds of great stuff in there. We'll put the we'll put the link to that on there. But then that kind of pointed me to. Uh, a Time Magazine online article about decaying de- Detroit. You know, and all the big Rust Belt cities are having issues here with um, shrinking. They're just getting smaller. And and uh, Time Magazine took a look, running around Detroit, and some really beautiful stuff of these you know, old Gothic uh, movie theaters and and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so uh, you know, on on Time's main website, time dot com, uh, there's a photo gallery. and We'll put a put a link to that as well.
1: Awesome. And speaking of links, Aaron, I know you have something that has links in it. What's your pick? <laughs>
4: <laughs> My pick's going to be very obvious for a lot of people. So I know, I know many of you are just going to say, why is he bringing this up? We all know this. But for those of you who are not using it, uh, you definitely should open the doors to, to what the benefits here. It, it's simply Google Reader. Um, which is Google's RSS reader application online. It's completely web-based. There's no applications to download here. For those who aren't uh, familiar with RSS, most websites these days, particularly blogs and, and other sources, um, produce a little tiny file uh, that goes with any of the content that's published that generally provides links and summaries sometimes the full body of the articles um, of everything that's current maybe say the last ten items or something that that site has published so if you actively visit a lot of sites and a lot of blogs and and you're you're going to them directly repeatedly throughout the day or every couple days to look for new content what RSS does is it flips that around. You, you get a, a free Google Reader account, and you go in and you add all the URLs of these sites to Google Reader, and what it does is it brings you these summaries constantly as they happen. So in one place, under one cohesive uh, you know view on your screen, you can see all the new content coming from all the different sources that you visit, and uh, and read those links in summary from that page and then follow the links to the, to the actual pages. So, again, you reverse the scenario. Instead of you repeatedly going out and visiting other sites, all that content is being brought to you pretty much as it happens. And one of the reasons I bring this up, too, is that it's very beneficial to us um, in, in the photo world because there's so many uh, photo gallery sites, Flickr, other different resources that do use RSS feeds. Uh, the comments, for instance, all the comment threads on the Twip photo blog, for instance, all have RSS options on them. So if you want to follow the comments on the, on the blog, Instead of going to the blog and reading you know, each of those comment fields repeatedly, you can have all those comments brought to you on the screen where you can just skim through them and look at the ones that you want. And you can share items with friends and bookmark and star items and so on. So
1: Aaron shares a, a lot of those with me. Yeah, and me too. It, what, what I'm wondering is I have a just a regular client-based RSS mm-hmm. Reader, and why would Google Reader replace that and, and it does I'm doesn't?
4: glad you asked, because I, what I used to do was, uh, things like Safari and Firefox actually have RSS tools in them, which, which are nice. It, it integrates nicely with a browser. You'll notice in your Firefox and Safari these days, you'll actually see little symbols up in the location bar that are cluing you in to the fact that RSS is available at the page that you're on. And by clicking on them, usually you can cause your browser to begin following it for you. I used to do that, and then I moved on as my RSS got more complicated and more, you know, more Volume. I started using a dedicated desktop application, which was nice, but it, of course, did kind of limit it to my desktop. And there are a few out there, I think like NewsGator and all, which which actually have kind of a syncing mechanism that you can use. But when I started using Google Reader, there's something – RSS is so inherently web-oriented, and Google Reader, of course, is a web application. It all blends together beautifully and Google has done just a gorgeous job. I consider it one of the most functional web-based apps I I use, period. I mean, it's just something lightweight, slick, fast. You know, it it's not bare bones, it has a lot of features, but it just feels right. So, I really encourage people, it's totally free, just reader.google.com. All right, Give it so a try. Direct people over
1: there if you haven't heard of Google. It's this really cool site on the web where you can go get lots of cool free <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I'm gonna actually gonna try that out. I'm I'm experimenting with all things Google right now, including mail, so I want to try that out. Lisa, what is your pick of the week?
3: Well, a lot of people have been contacting me about um my photography portfolio and you know. People want to display their work in something other than a Flickr or sort of in a blog-type format. And so I've been looking around for um, options, and one that I came across was called Carbon Made, um, CarbonMade.com. And it's a really, really easy um, site where you just um, upload your photos and... Um, and you can sort of manage your work, and there's sort of a back-end um, where you can um, control like the order of things. But it's really, really simple, so you don't have to know any coding or you know HTML or CSS. Um, and you can also put in uh, Flash and video. Mm-hmm. And it looks really, really clean, and um, you can get a free account to just try it out um, and see what you think and or if you want to um, and it, there's sort of limited options uh, you can only have three galleries etc um, and then another site that's also really great is called cargo collective and this is more customizable like you can um, change the background and and add uh, CSS to it to to just sort of organize things and um, and it's currently in beta but if you email them um, they might might give you an account right now but just watch out for that
2: very cool alright
1: and uh, me finally my pick or picks of the week uh, one is very very selfish and another one is is uh, near and dear so the first one I just launched a blog a video blog called frederickvan.tv I'm going to be doing some critiques. This blog is mainly in response to the uh, feedback that we've gotten about our, our participation in certain critique forums. So I'm going to be talking about different photos and uh, other kinds of things on this blog. So check it out at frederickvan.tv. And secondly, I mentioned in a previous twip uh, that my pick was the Kindle. Um, after they had just launched it, I, I made that my pick. And then subsequently, I've purchased the Kindle 2. And I'd like to let you know
0: that I think it's really cool. And Alex is <laughs> holding it in his hands and drooling all over it right now. I kind of like it. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been deriding it for quite some time. And uh, it's kind of nice. I, I kind of like it. Does The Economist come on it? Uh, you know, I don't know. No, I don't know. Totally I've, got, right. I've got the
1: San Jose Mercury News and the New York Times being delivered to my Kindle every morning right now for, through their little WhisperNet technology. And I've got a iPhone... Uh, kindle reader application installed on the iphone so i don't bring the kindle with me it just sits on the nightstand but at work if i'm standing yeah, or if i take a break and i'm at starbucks or something i can launch that application and it goes to the same page that i was reading when i put the device down and when i come back home the kindle remembers where the iphone was
0: reading oh man
1: yeah it's it's very seamless it's very cool great
0: i i buy it in a heartbeat if i could get the economist yeah well i don't know not that I'm picky. you know. You know, I, I, there's I always guess. that if. See, if, always, you always this, have a reason to hey, stay on the fence. This is how I save money. I just want. Did you know? I, you know, particularness keeps uh-huh. me from like going completely broke. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, Alex, your your pick of uh, what was it? Catchlight yes. for your your pick of the week. Uh, <laughs> I use my iPhone because the Kindle does not have a backlight. While I'm reading it, I use my iPhone as a light. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and now, and now how long does that light, last with
0: light, you can hang it you can hang it over <laughs> exactly. uh, and, 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 and decide what color temperature would work best for your eyes for whatever passage i'm
1: reading if it's really exciting and fiery it can be red right yeah okay. I, I still
4: want an integrated front light in the kindle i have the first generation and i love it um the second generation i Fine, be a beautiful device too, but that's the one thing I do want. I don't want backlighting; it defeats the purpose of electronic paper, really. Yeah. But I'd love to have some kind of soft integrated front light.
1: Totally. And since you're you're talking right now, uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. you can you can bring oh. us into the photo assignment and current poll.
4: Okay. Well, we're in week two of uh, of our new assignment. Uh, complex, I think, is the key word for that. Leave it to you to decide how you want to pursue that. Um, I I'm going to take a uh, picture of my wife. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
1: Again, oh wait. snap. Did she wait, listen like to this beers? podcast?
0: <laughs> she would agree. She would agree. I don't think there'd be any... I don't think she would have any Wait, kind is of, it
1: complex or complex?
4: Complex. complex. <laughs> I, not, I was going to say both pronunciations because it's meant to be vague. So, you be, decide what that means. Yeah.
1: No, she's just <laughs> because people can have a complex.
4: No, no, no. Yes. Complex. Or
1: they complex. can be complex.
0: She's
4: complex. And
1: they can have a complex while complex, living in a complex. She's, my, my wife is complex,
4: <laughs> like a you're, fine You're giving wine. away too much, Fred.
1: Like <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Make> a fine <laughs> fine wine. <laughs> it's a bouquet of flavor. <laughs> yeah. Clean it up, Alex Lindsay.
0: Clean it up. <laughs> I'm digging. Stand I'm digging. Away. I
1: need a place to sleep. <laughs>
0: She hasn't listened to anything or or or, or, or uh, watch any of my Twitters or anything else. I'm I'm left to my own devices.
4: She, she lives with you. She gets she gets the full Alex all the time. Yeah, she, yeah. So she doesn't want to listen to them all. I guess. Well, uh, last week's uh, poll. I'm um, just going to pretend it never happened because, uh, for one, I failed up and didn't get it online. But, number two, Scott reminded me that we had done one very, very similar to it not long ago. So, um, you know, we killed let's it. just pretend that never happened. Um, and since it wasn't online for anybody to vote on, it's a moot point. So, anyway, we do have a new poll this week, though. Um, this is one I kind of came up with just a little while before the show started, so I hope it uh, it appeals to people. The question is, uh, how old were you when you got into photography? And the options that I've uh, placed on here are when I was 12 or younger, in my teens, in my 20s, my 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, my 60s or beyond, which you could also say maybe after I retired. You know, as I entered retirement, I got into photography. So, so you have those age ranges by decade there. Um, and i uh, be curious to see uh, when our listeners, you know, really started getting into photography.
1: Ron Brinkman, when did you get into photography?
2: I think it was probably in college. Yeah, it was definitely in college. Um, just you know i don't know uh, and and again sort of tied to traveling and it was kind of now i've got something to take pictures of
1: you know Alec, uh, uh, ron i was thinking i was reading this book another book on the uh, the kindle as i was downloading books there's one on there that that i have now called vagabonding that was uh, actually a recommendation from timothy ferris in the four hour work week and i thought about you ron when i read that or when i was started reading it because it he, he talks about just Forming your life around travel instead of your your travel being a reward for your life.
0: That's what I do. That's how it's I like get
1: it. Like your work, you work so that you can take vacations, and then you, when you run out of money, you go
2: back and you work see, a little bit more. See,
0: I, what I do is I make sure that my, my work requires travel. Okay. Hey. Then and I do go, it until I complain the, about yeah, it, and then yeah. I—that uh, is, so.
2: that's exactly the scenario you really want. I don't yeah. have as much of that in my job now, but yeah, I've definitely had jobs where I just sort of forced it to be, you know, you you go somewhere for work, and it just happens to be someplace. Interesting enough that you can stay there and travel around a bit. That is the ideal scenario. Yeah, my my work over the past several years is taking me back and forth to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: it's not that See,
0: far. <laughs> I my, I, I've been talking to my wife about the idea that that I have to launch pixel facilities all over the world, and we yeah. might have to live there for a year. So we might have to go to Tokyo and mm. Paris and, and Argentina and uh, you know and these are just it's just work. You know, it's it's what we're going to have to do. She's she's oddly she's, she's actually thinking it's a good idea. Excellent.
2: So I think mean, that's probably a good uh, a good poll question we should we should do sometime in the future too. Is sort of what what topic got you into photography? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good idea. Noted. We'll we'll have that next week.
1: So uh, we wanted to devote a significant amount of time on this show to listener questions uh, because we, we over the past couple of, a couple of shows, if you haven't noticed, we've been running out of time and, and had some pretty lengthy interviews. So instead of having a lengthy interview, we wanted to address a lot of these really great questions that we had. Are, that we have right now and one of them is from a listener by the name of jeff and he says i'm heading to israel and jordan for a two-week tour and really want to get some good pictures while i'm there and edit my web page for the trip i was planning on taking a backpack for my photo gear and macbook pro which uh now weighs 28 what oh 28 pounds for all of his stuff a d23 lenses a mini tripod flash g9 batteries etc and he's concerned that he's taking way too much gear for this trip and uh, basically, that's it. Should he scale back the gear? Do we have any suggestions for him? So hey, what do you, what do you I, think, Mr.
0: World Traveler, Alex Lindsay? 28 pounds. I, I thought he was doing pretty well.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think,
0: I think my, my, uh, my typical backpack is about 40, uh, about 40 pounds. So um, I'm pretty used to it. But you, it's good for the shoulders. It's bad for the back. yeah and, uh, you have one of those little rollers? Um, I, yeah, I attach it. I have a, generally my, my way of traveling is I have one roller, one roller bag, and then I attach my, my photo bag to the you know to that and I pull it around the airport. And, uh, and so I don't have to put it on my shoulders very often. I would highly suggest making sure you have something that goes over both shoulders. If you have that much weight, mm-hmm. um, I have pulled my back out, not paying attention to that pretty, um, pretty Carefully, with yeah. the amount of uh, gear that I tend to carry. Which could ruin the trip and impact the photography. Oh, I have. It, it, you, you know, it's, it's really, really great to try to speak in front of a couple hundred people in Africa when you can't move. Yeah. <laughs> and you gotta make <laughs> it look well, like, wow, well, those Americans are weird. <laughs> I, just pack, I just pack the Aleve on and then go, okay, I'll be able to move for the next two hours and then I'll be back in bed. Uh, and I've done that a couple times. And um, the other thing that I, I just wanted to say uh, as a sign, I mean, so I. I actually don't think that that's too much weight. I think it's on the far end of, of things. Uh, for me, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't consider it too much weight. Um, I I do one thing I, I do when I'm working on this stuff is batteries are important. You don't want to get rid of those. Uh, a backup camera. He's got a G9. I don't, I wouldn't get rid of that because you know you don't know what's going to happen. Your wife may drop the camera, <laughs> and then it's really good to have another another camera. And um, your the, complex wife. Yeah, my complex wife. <laughs> Complex, not complex. So the uh, um, the three lenses, I mean, all of that stuff, the stuff that you're, you're listing is good. One thing that I'm, I'm careful of is I try to collect a lot of things that have the same, you know, like wiring. Like I only take two USB to mini USB. You know, everything has one. I try to kind of have one long one, one short one. Uh, you know try to minimize that kind of thing so you're, you're not having for me the big thing isn't so much weight or items it's cables mm-hmm. and lots and lots of cables and I try to figure out how I can when I buy stuff I actually think about it like am I going is this gonna require another cable yeah. and and fortunately for us most of the stuff now is going USB to mini USB and that'll connect you to almost everything Yeah. Um, and so you know I, I try to the thing I think more about is this mess of cables that I'm gonna have to dig through one other thing though before we someone else jumps in is the other thing I would be concerned about is making sure you check the immigration policies of Israel and Jordan um, uh, specifically in the Middle East you need to know uh, in certain countries certain Muslim countries won't allow you to enter with a stamp a, an Israeli stamp on your passport like UAE oh. so if you if you go to Israel and then Israel sometimes will go will put you through two or three checks like it might be a couple hours in the Israeli airport if you have a stamp from a certain countries around it now jordan and ua jordan and israel may not have any of this because jordan's pretty neutral but i know that you have to be you have to pay attention in the middle east of going in and out of israel and other countries that are around it yeah um you may have a, a an unexpected uh delay as you try to figure that out i know that if you have an Israeli um stamp it's very hard to get in the uae yeah uh, and i think it's vice versa so so just make sure to uh Check those things um, uh, when you travel, and, and that's the only place I know in the world that has that that kind of sensitivity to. They're not going to deny you entry. They're just going to no. They there are some there are some Muslim countries that will deny you entry with an Israeli passport. Send and, you packing? and Israel with if you if you have more than a couple from from some Arab country. I should say Muslim. I should say Arab. Yeah. But if you if you have um, uh, uh, stamps from a couple of certain countries in uh, certain Arab countries, uh, Israel. May or may not allow you in, but they will put you through a lot of security, and it's um, it's exciting. Wow! Yeah, definitely something
1: to uh, keep your mind on. Yeah. And uh, Ron Brinkman, you're you're the master traveler as well. What what are you? What's your advice to Jeff?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I wrestle with the same thing all the time because you've got you know the, on, on the one hand it's like, how, are you ever going to come back to this place? And you know, if you're not, it's like you want to really take advantage of it and have everything you have with you. But on the other hand, it's no fun to be slugging a whole lot of camera gear around and it does impact the thing. Um, You know, a a couple of things I would say. I I have found that a lot of times I can get away with not taking a really long lens with me, unless I'm going somewhere where I expect to want to get, uh, you know, close-ups of wildlife or something like that. Uh, I, you know, I I often leave a really long lens and, and a lot of times I'll travel with, you know, maximum, uh, the, the longest lens I have is the uh, I guess the 17-85 to 85 that I have on my my camera. So, you know, it's not not at all a particularly long lens. But, you know, these days, if you've got a lot of resolution in your camera, you can always crop up in post, which is, gives you the exact same framing as if you'd used a long lens. And as long as you don't go too nuts with that, you know, you've got plenty of resolution in there. So that's, that's one thing I would say. Um, you know, it's also part of the reason why I... Have it's kept you know stayed with a uh uh crop sensor cameras that they tend to be smaller and you can get lenses for them this this goes back to the running debate of whether you should you know, you should get lenses that are uh, capable of being full frame or if you're, you should go ahead and go and use the crop sensor lenses and that's part of the reason why I'm okay with buying crop sensor lenses is you can get better lenses that don't weigh as much if you're willing. Fred, Fred is incredulous.
0: I, I, Fred, you, you, sorry, Ron, you're not here. I'm, you, I'm, Fred I'm is giggling. like, yeah, rah, rah, like,
1: rah, nah. uh, all I hear is I hear little birds screaming, uh, cheap, cheap, It's not <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's because of the crop factor, but it has nothing to do with the price. Come on, Ron. You know, you want to fall
2: I mean, my My 70-300 uh, my lens is the D.O. lens, which is a over $1,000 lens that I bought just because it weighs less than the equivalent uh, okay. equivalent three hundred millimeter lens. So it's not about price. It's absolutely about how much do I want to carry around with me. What what lenses do you carry with you? Run like a lot of times I will just carry uh, just carry that zoom. The, the, well, the seventeen eighty five. I'll carry the uh, the ten to twenty two. Uh, the Canon 10-22, which is also a crop sensor lens, but it gives you that, you know, ultra, ultra wide, and I love it. And then I'll carry uh, one or two primes, you know, certainly the 50mm the 1.4, and then I also have a, a Sigma 30mm 1.4. Uh, and, I'll, you know, that's, that's probably my typical kit. And then depending on where I'm going, I may toss the 70-300 to 300 in the bag. Cool.
1: All right, let's move on to the next question. This- I,
3: I, I have something to add.
1: <laughs> no, you can't add anything. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Lisa. No,
3: I'm butting in. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I have to say, I mean, if you're a photographer and that's your passion, then suck it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ultimately, ultimately, that is very true. Uh, you're awesome. going to be someplace I mean, once.
3: <laughs> exactly. And, I, I mean, you never regret taking that picture but you always regret it if you don't have the right tools you know and um, I mean my my gear bag weighs 34 pounds and I'm a little girl. That's like a third of your body weight. I know and I truck that thing around and I think one useful tip is if you are going on a trip then have one main bag where you have all your gear and then have like a day bag so you can have like a belted bag if you have a a bad back which is what I often use Mm -hmm. and like you know a smaller even you know have a small um, bag for just your G9 if you're just heading out and you don't want to carry a lot of gear Um, so you can you know divide your stuff out and you don't like if you're you know you're going to go on a long hike and you're not necessarily going to use everything then just bring what you need for that particular day.
2: Yeah, yeah that's, that is an excellent point because I, I would was do that a lot. I was going to make the same suggestion. Yeah, even, even the tripod, you know, a lot of times you can, I mean, I, you know, my last sort of big trip uh, was was in South America. And, I you know, we did a five-day long hike, and I didn't carry everything with me. But, you know, I, I had stuff that I just left back in the the last place we stayed uh, and had a more minimal set. So, you know, it's a lot easier to toss stuff into a big bag with rollers on it uh, and then decide once you get there that, you're you know, for the day you're not going to need that.
1: That's
4: yeah.
2: precisely how I travel.
4: I roll in with a big bag with you know a humongous amount of gear in it, with uh, one or two small bags with me that I consider my away bags essentially, and I pack according to what I'm doing in that segment of the trip. Assuming, of course, that I've got a safe place, if it's a hotel or something, to leave mm-hmm. ten or fifteen
0: thousand dollars worth of yeah, camera gear say, in a hotel room the, or whatever. And the two things about that is that I I know that I um, couple things. Uh, one is is that I will. Um, be very discreet when i go into a hotel i do a lot i go into a lot of hotels in africa and you have to remember that the weights that you know the people who are working there uh one of those lenses is a couple years of their salary (laughs) so so you have to kind of you know keep that keep keep that in mind it's not good or bad it just it's just a a reality um so it's a big temptation so i I tend not to want to have bags that say you know uh any kind of Thing on a kata I don't worry as much about but I generally like it to look like a, just a piece of luggage um, and then I, I'm discreet about not leaving that stuff out and around um, when I'm uh, leaving my hotel room uh, a lot of them come with a lot of the nicer hotels will have anywhere in the United, in the world will have those safes which work really well the ones where you give your own code and right. it'll lock them up and that makes I always fill that with any of my electronics my laptop lenses everything when i leave so i just don't have to think about it and have you ever it, had
1: anything so- stolen from a hotel while you're traveling um
0: yes i i had The safe's big enough to matter I, I can fit my laptop in it okay. so um the uh the the new ones the older ones didn't uh, i had a nikon my nikon 4500 which i loved mm. my little my little light was stolen in vegas um and so the other thing i so another thing that i'm a little particular about after that is i tend to turn down hotel rooms that are uh, on the first floor Mm. They're the least secure. So I'll because tend to... Because of the windows? Because of the windows at a, a ground level. So mm-hmm. I, I tend to always prefer a, a hotel room that is at least on the second floor. And the higher, the better, just because it's it's harder to get to. Um, the uh, And then the other thing is is that if I don't have anywhere to put it, I'll tend to lock my, my suitcase. Mm-hmm. And I'll tend to discreetly both lock it with the little luggage locks as well as lock it to something. Um, the main thing is is that it generally... Uh, anything that 's going to be taken is going to be a grab and you know it 's just going to be something that 's snatched If you make it inconvenient like you 'd have to really work at it it 's not worth it. general it 's not worth someone losing their job over mm-hmm. um, uh, and so um, and in some countries uh, a lot a wor- lot more so you know it, it, it tends to um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so so uh, generally just making it inconvenient to, to take something is all that 's really required, but also um, I feel that going uh, being a little low key. Uh, in many countries, is I- including this one, <laughs> is yeah. is important. So,
1: so to to both of you guys, Alex and Ron, that I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I am going to switch my camera s- strap from the manufacturer strap to something more innocuous. In in other words, instead of having Nikon around your neck, do you, do, have you switched off? I don't something because it's like a big.
0: Uh, I got a big camera. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. holding a camera that says, I, I have a 35-millimeter camera. We'll it's in front it. of you. People are sneaking up from the back. And they say, oh, look, that guy has a cannon. Let me hit
1: him over the head and take it.
2: I, 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 I it tells me that only- most thieves aren't you know, looking to specifically steal a particular brand. So I'm not con- I mean, I switched my strap, but just make- to get something that was more comfortable. Okay.
0: I also tend to wrap my camera. So when I'm, when I'm walking around, if it's not on my, over my neck, I'll wrap it on my arm. Yeah, yeah wrap I have a little strap hand strap on, on mine, so I don't even have a neck strap anymore. Right, yeah.
1: And uh, t- Steve Simon couldn't be on the show today because he's doing some very important shoots. But he, uh, I would, I want to channel him for this particular question. He would say, above all else, make sure that all your gear is insured. Yes. Make sure it's insured
0: to whatever you want to take. If you're going to be a pack mule like Lisa or you're going to get a <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of temporary insurance that you can get, um, yep. you know, that you can get for a trip and you'll pay a hundred dollars, $200 and you, you keep track of every serial number. You take a photo of everything. You put it in a little database to make sure that you have it all documented of this is what I took on the trip. And I do that for every trip to Africa is i everything has been documented. I back up all my computers. I, you know, I, I, uh, code everything down, you know, so that if something happens, um, it's the the least impact, the lowest impact. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. This one's about white
1: balance. It's from Carlo Gessner, and he, he asks, I'm very confused about custom white balance. I bought an 18% gray card from the photo store. However, I've also read that a coffee filter uh, on top of a cool whip or a cool, <laughs> cool whip tub, an empty, <laughs> presumably, cool whip tub, Uh, Would work, which brings him to the question: Do I need to shoot something gray or white for custom white balance? Uh, Yada yada yada. So, what do you think? What do you guys think, Ron?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, you you need to if you want to do an accurate white balance thing, you need to have some sort of reference in either in the image you're taking, or more importantly in the in the scene where you're shooting the rest of your images. So. I mean, the, the issue here is that, you know, you may be in a scenario where a lot of the light coming in. The, the classic one that's, that always hits me is if I'm shooting somewhere in in a forest where everything is green, and there's just green on green on green, and naturally all the light around you is going to be green as well. And a lot of times, you know, first several times I did this, I never quite understood why it just didn't look as green uh, when I got it back and looked at the imagery until I sort of understood what white balance was doing. And it's the camera being fooled into thinking... Well, this can't be this green. I I better tone it down. I better take it more towards neutral. And so what you do for your white balance is shoot something that you know is neutral and let your software, usually it's just a single click on that neutral thing, uh, balance it back and say, okay, this is definitely gray. And as soon as you click on that, everything will kind of pop back into life. I don't go nuts on this. I mean, you can, you know, just taking just a little reference of just about anything that you think is a neutral white or neutral gray material, a neutral white's fine as long as it's not exposed to where it becomes blown out white. Uh, we'll, we'll get you most of the information you need. What I usually do, I, you know, I've got a, a lens cloth that I know is it's gray, and I'll just you know take take a picture of that if I think I'm in a situation where I need it. And then you know all these software editing packages now uh, let you sort of cut and paste any settings you have, so you can just just once you're in the scene in the scenario, just shoot an image that has the, the neutral gray in it, and then copy those settings to everything else that you shot in that same environment.
1: So, Ron, you literally wrote the book on some of this stuff. Where does the whole 18% come from? The 18% gray.
2: Can you define that? (laughs) Yeah, 18% uh, measured gray, the way your eyes respond to light, effectively 18% measured gray is about 50% apparent brightness. So that's, that's why that number sounds so weird, is that 18% visually looks like it's about mid-tone gray. Okay. Awesome.
3: If if you're shooting in raw, I mean, is it that important? I mean, I, I used to be a real stickler about um, white balance, but I found recently um, just shooting in raw and then post-processing it's yeah, absolutely. Feel as important because you have so much color information. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it all. Yeah, you know, exact Very, very true. Because that's that's kind of the whole point of shooting RAWs. It gets you this extra information both in dynamic range and in color. And yeah, that's that's the beauty of it is you have the ability to push it around. But what, what the white balance, you know, what shooting a gray card gives you as opposed as opposed to you know in your RAW processing package like Aperture. Uh dialing in something by eye to make it look good it it just simplifies the process. You have a gray object, you click on it, it balances the particular image and you copy that and it's just it just ends up being faster and and it is i mean you know it 's a little more accurate than kind of trying to eyeball the two different sliders you probably have for your white balance right and and i we uh when we
0: 're doing production, we often shoot what 's called a gray card plus which is the black and white and the gray. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a, this we've talked about before, the DeMond chart that we ju- shoot mm-hmm. for the HD. And there's stuff, some widget but. you saw at PMA in Vegas, right? That well, that's you're gonna Scott. Get. Yeah, I'm going to get it. Scott Scott was showing that. We have a little gray card plus. It's like an $80 piece of cardboard but um, uh, uh, that Kodak makes that we use for a lot of things. And we put it right under our slate or we put it out there. And it just gives us the the highs, the lows, and the middles so that it, so that especially if we want to match things to each other later, mm-hmm. uh, it gives us a rough idea of, of where we're going. Now, having something um, a little bit more, you know, having a whole chip chart um, is a little bit more accurate if we're trying to get a bunch of cameras to look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with still imagery, you, you may be taking a bunch of different photos at different times that you eventually want to bring together in Photoshop or something like that. Uh, having that basic information, uh, even if you don't use it directly, uh, gives you a lot of of info that you can use later.
1: So I'm I'm sort of split on this. So if if I'm shooting in the studio at home and it's a controlled situation, I have a gray tag Macbeth card that I'll put in the in the first right. frame, and I'll shoot that, and I can neutralize color based on that. But what if you're just you're an average
0: shooter and you're just on a photo walk, or if you're, if you're are you're shooting, shooting leaves and stuff like that? If You're that. shooting raw.
1: If you're shooting raw, yeah, you're just yeah, out walking around. shooting raw, around I don't think it matters. I mean, I think it doesn't if you're just walking around
0: yeah. shooting, I don't think it matters. I think it's when you're in a studio environment or whether you're in where you're really controlling situations. About, or if you're doing a, a commercial shoot where you, you need to make sure that the colors are spot on Yeah. and you can't just eye it in. Um, the then red of the dress needs to match the red that the client has on their little chip in their hand. Or a logo. Yeah. Or, or a, a product a, logo, yeah, yeah exactly. That's everything. Yeah. That, in that, in those cases, uh, it's really important to have uh, accurate color. Okay. You may find yourself, too, adjusting your image to what you
4: like, you want the shot to be warmer or cooler afterwards, anyway. But and even in those cases, for me though, I'll still try to color correct as best I can, so I know I'm starting at a, at a sane point. Especially if it's indoor photography where I have mixed light, like windows with uh, with sunlight coming in and fluorescent lights overhead, which is one of the most infuriating things to deal with when you're trying to color correct. Yep. You know, is is the mismatch in there? But try to get it as 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 um, accurate as possible, and then I might find that the, the image itself just looks better if it's artificially warmed or cooled or whatever fits that particular image but the emphasis is on the fact that you need to shoot RAW I mean RAW makes it completely malleable and and that's the the beautiful thing about it alright this this
1: next question is uh, I actually, I wish I had written this question because it's very good, he's talking it's from listener Mike and he's talking about the new Canon uh, Mark II or yeah, the Canon Mark 2 5D 5D Mark 2 yeah Canon 5D D5D3 whatever uh, but he's asking specifically with the with the new HD recording feature in that camera and cameras like it can you extract stills from that video and use those to you know say use as prints for a wedding and that sort of thing I mean, in other words is still photography can you can you get away from just the camera being a regular camera and shoot video and just pull from that as the main source for all the imagery for that event. Uh, what do you think about that, Ron?
2: Well, probably not. Uh, I, I mean, you can, you can do the math, right? An HD video is, is 1920 by 1080, so it's, it's about 2 megapixels. So basically you're, you're dealing with a 2 megapixel image, which I think most people would feel is probably not enough. It's also not really a great two megapixel image and that there's some sampling going on it's there's some color uh the way these images tend to be stored for video is they don't carry full color information uh for every frame so i would i would characterize it as a medium quality two megapixel jpeg image is about what you'd be getting uh if you're pulling something straight out of a video stream and i think generally that's probably not what Enough for a wedding right Acceptable, yeah.
1: You could do four by sixes from that and probably be okay, but anything beyond that, you'd be, you'd see artifacting.
2: Yeah, but you know, it's it's a great point that if you are already shooting video for it, there, there may be some something that just didn't get caught in a still. That's a really interesting thing That you want to pull a print out, and as long as you 're not going to go nuts with trying to blow it up it's certainly worth looking back at your video and it's kind of interesting to see you know pulling just a single frame out of a video feed may, may turn up some really interesting stuff yeah well, that
1: brings up a good point Alex uh, the red camera yes. is shooting raw for every frame that it shoots right Correct. So thirty is it 30 it's on red it 's called red raw red raw, but it 's a raw file that needs to be processed in post processing software yada yada, so presumably you 'd have all the control over those red raw files as you would over a normal raw file so does does that mean that I, if i had if I invested in raw, uh, red hardware, I could
0: shoot an entire event with that and just pull out select raws well that 's exactly where well that 's where the scarlet 's going mm-hmm. so red 's new camera that 's not you know that 's somewhere down the path uh, either the fall of this of this uh, year or the spring of next year. And the Scarlet is, is built where the sensor that's doing all the work is one little box, and then you can add pieces to it. So it's like a little Erector set kind of thing for a camera Trans- transformer. Depending, yeah, exactly. Depending on how you set it up, it can act very much like a still camera, or you could you could configure it a slightly different way, and it'll act like a video camera. But it's essentially doing exactly what you're saying. It's it's capturing six megapixel images, or you know, it's not going to be as high res. Uh, well, at least the Scarlet, the Epic theoretically it could be much higher res mm-hmm. um, but the uh, scarlet might not be as high res as some of your cameras, but it is shooting um, those photos at full resolution raw uh, and uh, at every frame and and so now typically when you 're shooting video the other thing to remember is is that you tend to have a different shutter speed so you 're not shooting you're not you 're not generally shooting video at five hundred uh, you know a shutter speed of one five hundredth of a second or, or one thousandth of a second you 're shooting it at uh, 1 of a second or you know that that type of thing so so essentially what happens is everything is a little bit more blurry if you're shooting video now you could theoretically turn that shutter speed up if you ever wanted to play it back in video it wouldn't be so great um, another thing to realize uh, that i think he was pointing to here is that there are a lot of consumer cameras actually um, but a lot of cameras in general that are starting to let you do bursts so uh, i know that like for instance the casio camera that, that came out that shoots the really fast i think it's the fx1 is that right um, yeah yeah so yeah. the FX1 the Casio FX1 will uh, when you pull the trigger it will uh, it'll fire off 60 frames in a second so when you when you see some action happen 600 or 1200 actually <laughs> well no but at full yeah. res yeah at full at, res at full no, resolution absolutely... it'll, it'll do 60 frames um, mm-hmm. you know in, in, inside of a second and you then you can then choose to save all of them or some of them or you know three or four I, of them I think or whatever
4: it, think of it as a rolling buffer very much like a tivo yeah. Um, in fact, the camera is, is often recording all the time, uh, so that you then have the choice to come back and, and and take something out of a period of time that you were shooting. You actually It's, can, you it's, actually, it's a beautiful with, idea.
0: With a lot of these cameras, with a lot of the features that are starting to be added, you can when you pull the trigger, you're actually getting something that happened a half a second before you before you hit go. Um, you know, because it's grabbing these. And this is for me the thing that I'm interested in is like when you, t- especially I take lots of photos out of them out of a car in Africa people you know by the side of the road mm-hmm. and the hardest thing is trying to time that single image so being able to have a, a window of a second to capture everything that happened in there is or if you're shooting sports or kids or everything else you know we, we've missed a lot of that stuff every time you push the trigger they sit they did something funny and it's, if you push it you can actually go into the past because it's been buffering every t- as long as the camera's on it's taking photos mm-hmm. and you're just simply saying I want to sample here and get plus or minus x number That's of frames. interesting Yeah. Well, wow, things are changing. Yeah, it, it, I wanted
1: to mention that I'm, I'm, I'm trying very hard right now to get uh, Kurt Aponovich. He's, uh, he's one of the pioneers, I'd say, in the wedding photography space. Uh, that is doing lots of this video convergence. Uh, merging of still and video worlds type thing and uh, i'm trying to get him to come on the show hopefully i'll be able to get him in the next week or two but he's at a site called photography with uh, robert evans they put that thing together and there's some uh, interesting resources there so if you're interested in that sort of thing uh make sure you check that out and uh one i'm gonna take one more question here this, this one's this one's I think a lot of us has, have gone down this road. It's from a listener by the name of Chris Carpenter. And he, basically, he says he shot a whole trip. Uh, he was traveling. He shot a whole trip on JPEG or in Look, JPEG. Month. A friend of his, actually, I think. A yeah. friend of his, yeah. Yep. Yeah, went to Spain. And uh, a 32-day pilgrimage. And... Shot everything on JPEG. So what? What's
4: the recourse? A That's a sad story. Yeah, not only JPEG, That's, but lowest lowest res JPEG. I believe. And
1: I've heard this before. I uh, and I've I've done similar things back in the film days. Yeah, shot they a g- whole event g- on tungsten film by accident. <laughs> but, oops! <laughs> oops! It was just the air crew in front of a plane that wasn't coming back to the base again. But
0: you know, <laughs> not no pressure or anything. You
1: know so i spent the night in the dark room trying to fix it uh but what what can they do if you shoot something at a lower resolution and you want to blow these things up to larger than what the resolution that you shot them at will support what are your what's your recourse
0: cry yeah go back to spain i mean you can you can uh this is this is a good example of and i don't know how this happened but uh you always want to leave your camera on the highest Resolution. I mean, the thing is, is that it—it's it, just memory. You can always throw it away. If if you took a lot of bad photos, just throw them away. It's better to throw photos away than to think you're going to save some. You know, buy another memory card. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah, uh, always, if, if if your camera shoots raw, shoot in raw. If your camera, you know, if it's only JPEG, shoot at the highest resolution. All right? That that because this is the kind of stuff that happens if you don't do that. If you if you start. Huh. For whatever reason, start shooting at low resolution. Uh, that's that's my opinion.
4: Um, Let's mention two highest resolution and lowest compression. Because yes. a lot of cameras provide both options. Yeah. So some people may
0: put it at high res but heavy compression, which is going to damage your image the pretty badly. The highest quality too. that your cameras capable of shooting. I mean, that's uh, yeah, good way to put it. Memory is cheap, you know, and so you know, take advantage of that. The, the worst you can do is you have to. The absolute worst case scenario is you'll, you'll be sitting at the event, and I've done this you've run out of memory in your card and you're going through it and deleting the ones that are obviously bad, the ones that were motion blurred or the ones that are obviously bad framing or bad lighting or whatever. And you have to delete some off the card to shoot some more. It's, I would rather do that than to bring down the resolution and be dealing with exactly this issue where, uh, the lighting was bad. And for instance, and I, I don't, I didn't shoot raw because I didn't want to have the space and, you know, it's just not worth it. And so in in my opinion, that's the direction to go. I think that, you know, you can use something like genuine, genuine fractals or, uh, there's a couple of little plugins that'll help you make it a little bit bigger, but more than about two X, mm, you know, it's, you're not going to get a lot of. It's just going to start look getting soft. solarization. Yeah, it's just you know mushy. maybe some of these some of the software is really good, and they'll tell you four X. I've never seen anything blown up more than about two X, four uh, X on the very outer edge, and it just depends on the kind of photo that has ever looked remotely usable for me. Cool. Well,
1: coming up next week on This Week in Photography, we're going to uh, have an interview that I've already recorded and we'll, we'll in, insert it into next week, but it's uh, it's from a uh, photographer that's actually right around the corner from here, Alex. How Gene, convenient. Gene Higa. Gene Higa is a, is a wedding photographer, a wedding and event photographer in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area, but he works all over the world and has a lot to say about brand building and how to... Get your name out there from networking, Google, yada, 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 all that stuff. If you're a photographer and you're trying to figure out how to break into the industry, listen to that interview. It's, it's really good. And he's, uh, he's a really smart and really approachable guy to be so high on the, on the pyramid in terms of wedding photography. And coming in between weeks, uh, Alex, while well, you and Scott were out gallivanting around Las Vegas, while the rest of us were here with our corporate day jobs, uh, they did lots of cool videos of different products and, and
0: goodies out there, and um, we've, we've been inflicting them on the uh, on our <laughs> listeners. So actually, uh, <laughs> inflict. Come on, marketing! You've been sharing them, no, what, with, with the <laughs> listeners. All I'm saying is inflicting. that we, we started uh, we, we're posting them almost every day now, and uh, every you know, uh, and I think we'll be doing that through next week uh and i'm kind of curious what people think of it uh having video posted into their audio i imagine there's some some of our listeners are like what the heck is going on here <laughs> there's video i didn't i didn't, I didn't want to see that i didn't want to see no all hard disc space left yeah well i don't think they're that they're, they're much shorter than the than our shows and so i think it actually evens out as far as size yeah. goes but yep but the um if uh we i'd like to hear back from people what they think of uh the videos that we've added here um aaron where, where can people email us they can email us at uh, twippodcast at gmail com. Great. So definitely send us an email um, and uh, let us know whether you like the videos. Uh, we, we're planning to do more. And uh, notice and he said, don't let us know whether you hate the videos. <laughs> Let's know if you like them. Yeah, if you hate them, you know, <laughs> send just us just your love. Keep it yourself. Yeah, just <laughs> suppress yourself.
1: If you don't have anything nice to say,
0: don't say it at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So if you don't crickets. like if you
0: don't like them and you and you think that we shouldn't be doing them, let us know too. So uh, again, Aaron, where can people uh, send us send us an email? Twip podcast. Note
4: that's two P's. T w i p p o d c a s t at gmail There you go.
1: Excellent. And I wanted to stick a quick tip of the week into the end of the show here. And Lisa, I want to <laughs> I want to put you on the spot for this tip of the week for the uh, the TWIP audience since you, you haven't been on the show in a couple of weeks. So, hit it.
3: Yeah. Um, well, I guess just um, what you guys were talking about, um, about that the misfortunes of that guy that shot um, all all this trip on low jpeg um, i think the lesson we can gain from that is always set up your camera before you leave um, so if you know like you're going out into a sunny day you know and the night before you were shooting maybe in a in a dark restaurant you have all you know all your settings set to you know to that situation and you're going out like and you see something as you walk out of your apartment you see the most amazing woman walking in a red coat (laughs) and you want that moment um you know when you snap it and then you've you've got it's totally blown out or whatever so if you if you set set up your camera um to the settings you know you're sort of going into then you can be prepared for anything
4: be prepared like boy scouts yeah, take take note of things like why is my shutter speed suddenly one eight thousandth of a second for everything?
3: <laughs> so.
1: That's kind
4: of a <laughs> night before checklist that yeah, uh, you exactly. got
1: into yeah.
3: the
0: military. Make sure your batteries are charged. Everything's in your bag by the door and ready to go before you go to bed. You know, I'm, <laughs> I am neurotic about batteries. A lot of times because I'm in Africa, I don't, I never know how long I'm going to have to plug things in. Yeah, that I'm constantly charging everything. Like if I don't have, you know, I, I every night, no, every night I go home uh, when I'm at home, I put everything in the charger that I've used that day just mm-hmm. to make sure that it's all back to normal every, uh, the morning of every day because you just never know. Yeah, so. yeah,
3: it's yeah actually, I've actually started to compile lists of sort of checklists for different shoots because I do a lot of, um, you know, model shoots with strobes. And so I have to, you know, I have sort of a different setup and a bag that goes with that. And so if I'm switching between bags, that's just the worst thing because, you know, you yeah. can easily just forget your your CF cards or, you know, your cables in one bag. So I have sort of like a checklist that I go through just before I'm leaving and just make sure I've got everything that I need for that particular shoot.
0: I 'm also really uh, specific about what I put in different pockets. you know a lot of these camera bags have lots of pockets, and I know I need to do my camera bag video I'm, I'm ready I'm mm-hmm. ready yeah. uh, but there's a specific place in my camera bag for everything that I have, and um, so I, I don't I very rarely switch that up. you know one I put this kind of cable over here, that kind of cable over Smart. there, and and that way I can always check for it, and I know that it's there, and i 'm really neurotic about. Same pockets have the same things all the time Unless I've decided to change the system But it really is until I've decided Consciously to change it I always put the same things back in the same places
3: oh and on 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 batteries uh, if I know a battery's dead i'll take a little piece of gaff tape and and s- strike that battery like wrap it in that in the tape so I know that those ones are dead, or I keep them in different pockets and i'll like I use the compute checker for most of my mm. gear and i'll just and it has sort of a clear pocket and i'll put a piece of um gaffer's tape over the pocket where the with the dead batteries, so I know I'm not. Picking up dead batteries. Yes,
1: nice. excellent, brilliant tip. Thanks, Lisa. Yeah. So, Lisa, uh, while you're talking here, where where can people follow you, learn more about you, et cetera, et cetera?
3: Um, well, my blog is MostlyLisa.com, dot com, and you can see my um, photography portfolio at lisa dot com, and obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at mostlylisa, and I've been concentrating a lot more on on talking photography on Twitter instead of you know what lunch and meat I have in my sandwich
1: (laughs) (laughs) relevant Twitter look at that that's a new I like the Twitter
2: I was going to say I like the Twitter you posted this morning Lisa at 10 o'clock in the morning saying you were up at the crack of dawn to record
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's early for me I am a night owl wow
2: Crack of dawn. Ten AM crack of dawn. I
3: am up at the crack of <laughs> noon.
1: <laughs> wow. Ron, where can uh, where can people learn more about you or, or follow you?
2: So follow me on Twitter, Ron Brinkman, R O N B R I N K M A N N.
1: Two Ns. N
4: N. And uh Aaron Mailer.
2: Uh, Twitter as
4: well, Half Press H A L F P R E S S, and also my blog by the same name, HalfPress.com.
1: And Mr. Alex Lindsay, you can find me on the Twitters. Who, by the way, you're also on Facebook. By the way, you friended me on Facebook. Ah, uh, yeah, yes, uh, we are now friends on
0: Facebook. Yes, thank you. Yes, that you, uh, thank
1: you, you you've completed me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it's just Alex Lindsay with an A. Very cool. Not Alex. The A is in the end of the Lindsay. What? <laughs> How do you spell Lindsay? Well, Lindsay can be spelled L-I or A-Y. Lindsay. It's Lindsay. Let's get you
3: jocular, guys. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. We're saving the jocularity to the
1: very end. You yeah, know. that way people can just <laughs> end it. And if you're if you're looking to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well uh, under username frederick van f r e d e r i c k v a n. Or please come check out my new video blog at frederickvan.tv. Which is cool. I've got a video up there check that shows up my look li- shows out or shows my little uh, Drobo uh, Mac Mini Airport Extreme setup and how I'm uh, serving media to the rest of my house. So please check it out. Nice. And that brings us to the end of the show. Um, thanks everybody, and it's time to take that lens cap off.